Welcome back to part two. As you already know, Andrew is an artist. He works with sound and with painting. He lectures in painting at the Royal College of Art. And and his exhibition is currently on at the Whitechapel Gallery, and you should go see it. You will learn in a second how wonderfully connected it is to Whitechapel. Little side note for you, Tayab's is a Punjabi restaurant. That will make sense later on. And without further ado, let's hear about art and Whitechapel. What (laughs) advice would you give to someone who wanted to either experience art day to day or do what you do as an artist? It's going to be time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just making time. It really is just about making time. Um, having time with oneself, but also having time, actually having and making time is so important to experience or to make, like choosing a, especially with art, it needs a lot of focus and dedication. So if someone really is like, I want to do art now, well, it, it's, I think one of the best ways is to throw themselves in completely. Um, or there's a much more practical way where there's like a balance between where the what's sustaining it financially and what's allowing me to do it and giving me time to do it. That's a kind of interesting balance. But I'm much more for the, the risk takers, like I've got £500 left, I'm going to go and buy some materials, I'm going to make some work and just see what happens. And I advocate for those types of um, ways of being, taking those chances, taking those risks. Those people jumped on an aeroplane with the last few hundred pounds and then ended up, you know, just because of survival uh, instinct or the calling and managed to make it work. So, yeah, the the, the space and time for risk-taking. Um, but also, as we say, I can say to a friend, oh, have you seen any art today? And it's, oh, no. We could go to a local gallery or we can look on my phone or we walk past um, a billboard that shows you, a large-scale billboard that shows you the art of the day, 365 pieces, a screen that everyone gets to experience it in one way or another. And maybe they're involved in the 365 um, choices, you know. There's ways, you know, it's, it's just there. It should be free. It's for all. And that's what galleries are doing, making it accessible and having a site and a space to go to. But yeah, it's making that time. Um, And I suppose when I suggest the billboard, I know that not everybody has that time. But when they're reading and they stop for a minute and they're visualizing, that's what artists do. When they're thinking sparks an idea, when they're reading a book, oh, yeah, maybe think about this or that. That's the art working as well. And when they start to make a few notes or underline something that's really poignant to them, that's the art also. So it's what gesture, juncture, um, that people want to be in it. But I think it's, again, it's kind of in everyone. It's around us in everything. You know, the design of the plug that I'm looking at, the light, the red light for the socket, deciding that red's the colour for danger. Or for heat, even though blue is hotter than red, scientifically. Yeah. So, yeah, even speaking, thinking about that, what does that 
due to like how we understand things like how did we manage to like have a universal thinking of something that's colder than a hot color being the color that signifies hot yeah the science of that and I guess it's like the language that you were talking about like there are you know it's not until that recently that we had sort of a more shared vocabulary for color right like then they have that with the concept of like greens and blues yeah language like they're actually quite hard to pin down in a lot of like ancient like they're not even sure some in some like greco-roman like scholarship there are theories that blue isn't really like the way they saw blue was completely different yeah because again that goes back to the words so language so they didn't have a distinct word for the color blue blue and green were the same they were considered the same and it was just more of a description so i had like some amazonian tribes and south asian tribes had like 50 to 100 words for blue and this blue green green blue what it is what it isn't um and that just frees up something with the color because when i just tie, tie it down with one little thing that just says blue and that's it it doesn't offer any more emotional response, any understanding what we connect it to. Maybe this down to the taxonomical thinking that we have in these days, where we, as we were saying earlier, things are just—it's just easy to categorize everything, and then it's just like a one word covers it all. Whereas everything's a lot more complicated, and maybe people didn't want that element of complication. I don't know. I don't know. But people have that conversation all the time, actually, when you think about it. Like, um, my dad yesterday called something red, and my grand and my brother were like, it's clearly orange. Yeah. And, like, I guess that is what you're talking about with art. Like, people are constantly sharing those ideas and thinking artistically. Yeah, the perception um, of something, because none of them are wrong. Yeah. Because they're both on the same register. How red is orange and how orange is red? Like they're really close, so yeah. And we've had those. Uh, I've had like a brown jumper that t- sometimes looks blue or looks green. I'm not sure what the color is, and it depends what's around it, what lights being um, reflected on it. But yeah, all of these are like inter- interesting phenomena. But yeah, I like that people are still having these debates over the perception of the color. Yeah, but they're always within close range. It's not as though one's saying, "No, that's." blue and the other one saying no that's yellow it's like it's so close on the the register where it might start to blend one blends into another that they're both kind of correct fashion is the interesting thing because everyone will think that they're correct and it's also the fact that what we've been taught makes us think think that so it all goes around language and communication yeah yeah, and also, like, I guess the canon in art is, like, a similar concept. Like, who's in the gallery, who isn't in the gallery comes down to it's so much more, like, that kind of thinking. It's just, like, a pattern almost, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I always encourage students, uh, artists, to break the rules. That's the main thing, break and play look at the space and add something to it so everyone's always kind of waiting for you know that's the kind of rule they just wait for them they'll come for you where it's like i'm saying you carve out your own space you know that you get a few of you together do what you're doing keep doing it doing it really well and then some will turn to you from that circle that you're wanting to be in or something you know whatever that is 
um, make enough noise, they'll notice. But it's also, it's about creativity. People keep forgetting that art is about artfulness. And uh, maybe the gatekeepers, I don't know, the history, owners of the history, or whatever it is, um, they still want to be tantalized and they still want to be surprised by art. And that's what allows, I think that's what, uh, you know, when we talk about flavor of the month, it's like how, what, the iteration of what art is becomes really interesting. It's added something to it F- visually, um, academically, um, diagrammatically, whatever it is. And these are the kind of, um, I think that's what allows it to keep thriving, keep going, keep moving on, um, changing, is that it's still fresh and still exciting. Now, how can someone talk about flowers still or still lives in this time and it be interesting or look interesting or feel interesting or just their approach to it? Because now if we start to think, you know, approaching still life through wilding, that's a whole new, like, still life, isn't it? Or... Um, landscape painting or nature painting because we're now looking at it through a contemporary gaze in a way that's always kind of been there but it's something that's now highlighted so it's those sorts of like how we play around with what's already there and we offer it to people where they say oh yeah uh, that interests me or I didn't really think of it in that way and I think that's what's um, what makes it exciting interesting and um yeah this kind of it's not a reason but it's you know artists still have this um i don't know there's an element of competitiveness and why that person why not me and this and that and sometimes it's it's just down to that the way the person's done it, the way they've approached the particular thing that someone else is really interested in, but they've done it in this very particular way that they haven't seen before, or they can kind of attach to or recognize something in it, but it's still new to them. Yeah. Yeah. Who are those kind of rule breakers for you, like that you've seen lately? Like if you were going to say to people who just love art, you've got to see X or Y, would they be? Um, First of all, well, Vasiliki, who performed Panopticon in my show, which is a dancer actor who put in this amazing performance that uh, questioned surveillance, but it had an element of essay, performance, obviously dance, um, but it was really captivating in terms of like audience members were in tears at the power of power of the piece so Vasiliki but then someone like Alvaro Barrington I'm a massive fan of his work and the way he just does things uh, the way he uses materials and the other thing is with I think with Alvaro is you can recognize things that you walk past and he's able to highlight them in this really amazing way um you know found materials frames wooden frames concrete all these kind of materials that are just part of the everyday that we see he's managed to like reconfigure them in a way that's just like very exciting um someone like oscar murillo who is the it's kind of um maybe not recognized for his 
interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary approach to making um, in terms of use performance, video, painting, uh, fashion show that is performance and political statement in a way. Um, I really like what he's doing and always have done. Um, Larry Achenpong, just for carving out a particular practice around digital um, and his background and what that means in, in this kind of contemporary time. Anyone else? I've got to just think of one more. Um, I quite like Torquazy Dyson as well, who is, um, sorry about the phone, he's an American artist. I think she's in Chicago, but she works with architecture and spaces, but, oh gosh, how space affects us. So if, even if we think of, um, in relation to the black body and how um, architecture is kind of, impose itself on us and kind of guided us through policed us and on a wider um the populace all the people are guided around you know now we have we don't even have things or sorry how can i say we have things that are just like traffic light for example that tells us to stop and go it control do you know what i mean it's those sorts of how the spaces that we exist in um how they're poetic but also how they're um, can be destructive, how they're purposefully built in a certain way and what they mean. What does it mean to walk down an alleyway that's two skyscrapers next to each other? What? How does that feel? And then that ongoing, how does it feel over five years, 10 years? How does it feel as a community? You know, there was a building, there's a building in Vauxhall that I find really interesting by the train station. It's like a... um it's like a runway that doesn't quite <laughs> jump in. It's like a runway that doesn't quite. And I feel as though that's quite an imposing and negative sculpture for the idea of potential. It feels potentialless. <laughs> that's how it feels as an architecture, as a form. And that's how I read it. And then I was just, yeah, kind of interested in what, what, what does that feel like to walk past every single day? as like a person who's like has aspirations, but they see this thing that just says to them, you could do all of that, but at the end it doesn't do anything. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I always think about that. There's a bit of road in Glasgow, like they have these like crazy, like flyover kind of motorways. Like every time we go back, there's always like another road somewhere. And there's just this one bit that is incomplete. It just ends. And it looks so strange because I, yeah, you go past it all the time and then you pass that there's a lot of like abandoned churches and abandoned buildings and yeah like depending on where you are in the city like it must have an impact on how you think and how you engage with like the rest of your day-to-day yeah what you would think about those sort of elements in terms of architecture what how they become obsolete or lost their I don't know, the connection with the rest of society to kind of be left over there and have an endless road, like a cul-de-sac type thing. What what does that mean in terms of architectural space? Yeah. 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 What about... City planning. 
yeah city planning has such a I feel like that's actually become such a more popular like field of study for young people I like, think it's I, important yeah and I, probably because we have more international community I think there's people who come from places where there's no city planning and there's places that are really organized and it's just finding a nice I feel that um England's really organized in terms of city planning and considered um, I just went to Barbados. That feels really organised and considered. Where did we go? And it was like, I went somewhere, like, there is no city planning here whatsoever. Everyone is just doing what they want to do. And it just looks kind of, yeah, it looked just all a bit all over the place. It had no unison. Where was that? Oh, gosh. Where was that? I'll probably... um have to email it to you <laughs> yeah it'll come back like later and then i'll put it in the, the outro <laughs> yeah um, but yeah just that even you know feeling that no we're belgium oh really Antwerp. yeah it's the for me a lot of people really like it i like it there but it's such a i've been a few times still don't know most places have a, like a start point mm-hmm like the station or the bus stop and from there you can go, navigate your way around and you know there it's just really uh where it feels like the end of a street and the end of a district it's not it's still part of it's just it's so overlapped it's because what happened there was i think just after colonialism there was just a lot of money around and everyone had money and everyone's just building stuff but they didn't speak to each other and it was happening at different times and different places so it's like wait you've got this really kind of um, very typically Belgian design building with all its kind of attachments, etc. Designs and and then next to it, there's something that maybe a house and then a flats and they're all at different heights and they're all squeezed around. It's really just I don't know what I feel about it because i can walk for five minutes and feel so organized i know where i'm going then i can turn left down the road and it's like wait that didn't make sense to this location but it's just interesting it's like one minute i feel as i'm in amsterdam for 30 seconds then it's really flemish then i could be in london and then i'm like where are we and that didn't make sense because the station's there and that's the main place but if you do a left it feels like a dead it's just brilliant (laughs) <laughs> it's brilliant but it's just yeah no one really talked to each other there they just had money and built loads of things and uh, what an amazing like metaphor for a mindset as well yeah yeah um but no insult to my belgian people my antwerpians because yeah it's cool yeah, the, it's the different people of antwerp on the podcast are the most vocal i think they're uh... <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair one of my friends is from belgium I'll have to, I'll ask you about it. I, I reckon we've got people who listen from Belgium. Shout out yeah. to, to those yeah, shout out to the Belgian crew. And, <laughs> and particularly Antwerp. Antwerp, Tommy. Um, yeah, that's where I learned all these kinds of overlaps of um, architecture happening at different times. And yeah, I... I yeah, I recommend anyone to go along, go go to Antwerp and just experience it because it's just its own way of doing things, and it it kind of works, but it's confusing. I I, I like that. It confuses yeah. me. Yeah. Um, the Kardashians that somebody edited when they came to London not that long ago. Kardashians. 
the, the Kardashians, you know. Kardashians, sorry. The Kardashians, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I think it was in the last season. Um, and it's just like the show is so, I don't know what it was like before, but the new iteration is such like, it's a lesson in empty space. Like nothing, nothing happens. It's not even like, you know, like some reality TV, there's like a, a plot and it's like something happens and there's a big result. There's just nothing in. They're just ticking by. Yeah, they're just sticking by. And when they came to London, they had this, um, what do you call it? Like, they're in the car and it cuts to different bits of them driving around London, right? Except if you look carefully, it's not all London. And someone went and like looked it up and it's like they've spliced in Paris and Milan because they'd been there in the season or something. And so like London looks insane because there's like a metro sign in the background or there's like, you know, like an Italian pharmacy. And it sounds kind of like an Antwerp vibe. And also I think nobody cares on their production team that much that they were just like, yeah. Yeah, just put it together. Make sure it looks like, yeah, London town. Make sure it looks like (laughs) London. It looks a bit like Europe, then we're fine. Yeah, I think I don't watch the Caduceans, but... uh... Yeah, I might watch that episode because it sounds as though, yeah, I'd just like to see how it feels to someone say, this is this place. And then we look and it's not very, oh, that's not that place. Yeah. Or it doesn't feel like that place. Or what part of where in London is that? No, that looks like Italy to me. So, yeah. And it's like, yeah, and you would have to, like, as a Londoner, you would look at it and you would immediately be like, oh, that's definitely not. Like, there's a bit of tram track or something. <laughs> <laughs> but like I guess if you're an American you're just like oh I guess they have trams and a metro in in London in London yeah. yeah it's crazy I wanted to ask you um before you go about Whitechapel because I know that like the exhibition centers a lot on the area yeah like what does that mean to you like when you're planning out the exhibition and the pieces and everything I say that Whitechapel, as soon as you step out the station, it's just on, it's just turned on, boom. As soon as you step out of that station, there's, uh, sorry, Allgate East Station. Um, and the interesting thing is you step out of the station, it's part of the gallery, so you can step straight into the the gallery. That's the first thing, which is quite an, that's an interesting phenomenon that the station and gallery are kind of one and connected. Um, but it's just, I grew up in London and I've it's not unusual to see hundreds of hundreds of faces all the time wherever we go um and it's just particularly as soon as i stepped out of that station i was like wow it's just there where i live it kind of builds towards the center there they're in the center so you step out onto the high street there's a park across the road but there's skyscrapers there's shops and there's just people walking up and down up and down up and down up and down um many cultures do two roads on the left and brick lane um historically when i was young we'd go there for bagels and then it became this kind of much more youthful cultural space with lots of bars it was all at one point it was a very kind of um place the artists were galleries were that's where the trendy or the main place for um, new art was around Brick Lane. Um, 
So all of that, and then obviously the history. You know, they've got a really interesting history of um, first Jewish immigrants from Russia and Poland, uh, immigrants from all over Europe that have um, that came over to work. The Bangladeshi community, the African community, um, the Caribbean community. Like Whitechapel was the first is like a first destination for most immigrant populations because of its location. The Thames, the boat would come down to the Thames. You cross over on five minutes, walk up the road, and there's this kind of residential place that you can find affordable housing, um, a bit of music, restaurants, and a community of people who have come to work, have travelled here to work and to to kind of either survive, build something, or send money back. Um, seafarers from Bangladesh, um, all yeah, just different types of communities in the same place, um, and just that happening created a certain kind of I don't know, uh, excuse me, a community uh, tension, but in a positive way. Um, the people grouped together like now we've all been through the same kind of rubbish in this place I'm not going to let it happen to you so you don't let it happen to me so we'll stand together so Cable Street Massacre was like the Irish the Jewish and any kind of immigrant worker all fought off the black shirts Um, (laughs) even the not even the British community or English community came together with the Bangladeshi community to fight off the right wing. You know, this, um, they've built up a really resistant community there. So all of that, just stepping outside and it all just being there in the air. It's just in the air. It's all, it's all there. All of this stuff is just there. I couldn't ignore it. It's like, it would be rude not to kind of explore some of those, um, histories and ideas so I got in conversation with um, a guy who's a restaurant tout and he sparked the whole show so much we talked about history we also talked about the Bangladeshi community we talked about racism he says it doesn't really exist in in um, Brick Lane East London as such you know he says you get dicks and all that kind of thing drunks or whatever but in general it's like it's cool so even, you know, to talk to someone who's from there to kind of understand that maybe from the outside it seems a certain way, but actually when you start to engage with the community and the local um, in meaningful ways, first of all, I learned so much. I was also be able to put that in the work, but then also be able to connect with the community because Whitechapel is very much a gallery that is thinking about its locality and what that means. Being there for over a hundred years, it was a library at one point. It was a place for everyone to to get books and read um, and engage and to find out about stuff from where they were from, you know, through books and newspapers and stuff. So it's a very um, integral part of the community. So all those different aspects, it was just um, something that I had to, I felt obliged I wasn't forced into it. It was just like, okay, what am I going to do for this show? I could do something really nuanced and like very particular, but what does that do for an audience? And I know that the audience is all right. They're going to come from far and wide because people live far and wide. But then what about the people who live there? 
when they walk in, how do they feel? What do they see? Um, so yeah, that kind of shaped um, the starting point, but it was it was something I couldn't ignore. I did the same in Brixton. I had a show in Brixton. It was like, how can I come to Brixton? You know, you hear the name Brixton, it's just like powerful as a name. Straight away, it just throws up so many things. How can you ignore that and go into that place and maybe make something that doesn't really relate? It's interesting as a challenge to the local audience, but actually I think people get something more with um, still challenging the challenges maybe, but they feel at a local kind of level and then wider that people kind of feel connected and together. I don't know if I've done that in the show. I've tried to because it's through art and painting, exploring and like working the way that I do with this kind of spontaneity improvisation as a kind of structure. Um, so letting lots of things kind of happen and frame it all together. But I feel that's some really already, it's been open less than a, it's only been open a few days. I already had a really beautiful moment that um, a local family came in, sat down, a couple of mothers with their kids and just sat down with drawing the mural. And that's what I want. It's like, I was fortunate enough to be sparked into going to art or knowing there was a space that you can do this as well as a kind of profession. And even just that, yeah. just one person being like, oh, I remember I went to that show when I was like eight. We did this drawing. I haven't stopped drawing since. Mum's like buying me pens and paper and paint and I'm drawing. And I'm, I feel as though this is something I want to go into. Um, so I feel that's why it's important as well, that people go into a place and they think, I feel welcome here. I feel as though I recognise some of the things that might not be spe very specific. It might even be through this kind of artistic um, value or this artistic way of doing things because it, art's kind of, it can't nail it down because it's a painting without words. You know? So it doesn't describe everything exactly, but enough that someone can feel like, yeah, I feel as though I feel welcome. I feel part of it or it's pointing at something that's like something that resonates to us by being here. And the fact that someone from the outside or someone from a different location recognizes it and understands that it's partly to do with the celebration of that locality, but appreciation of the history of that locality. Yeah. I was there the other night and it is like, I was waiting, my friend is from the area and like she had to move and now she's like we were like nearby and she was like there's this restaurant that I like remember from being a kid we should go it's called like Tayabs I don't know if you know it Tayabs yeah this yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the best it's now one of the best Bengalis restaurants it's across across the road from Whitechapel a little bit further up and then like a right turn yeah it was like amazing the director took us there the other day actually oh really yeah well, that's like, yeah, it's a good... They had um, a lamb chop put in space. They had what? They had one of their lamb chops. Like, I didn't eat meat, otherwise I would have had it. But, like, there's a picture, and we were still in the queue, because it's obviously, like, so busy and, like, bustling. They were, like, waiting. And there's, like, a picture of, like, all these people in the space station, and then one of the lamb chops, like, outside, this, like, <laughs> like <laughs> tied on or something. Nice. And I don't know what the story is there, but we looked it up and like there was like a BBC article from like 2014 that they put their their food into space. And I thought oh, it was kind nice. of amazing that this like, like it speaks to almost Whitechapel itself, that like it's such a 
kind of a, a cultural like hub yeah in the world that these Definitely. people are like do you know what like of all the land trips in the world that's the one I think we'll have one from there yeah that's gonna go right up into space wow that's right? nice that's um i think that's something that should be celebrated in the well Taeb probably knows it but yeah i think that's probably an idea for a, a local artist where they could maybe explore that as a theme i think it's quite interesting yeah, you know, yeah we need like a big mural or something yeah exactly <laughs> the space station. that celebration of um the history and the triumphs of Whitechapel. So the uh, in Bangladesh, because they've called Brick Lanes now or the area of Brick Lane and surroundings called Banglatown, so they've managed to like establish themselves enough that like uh, Chinatown, where they have the the names in Cantonese or Mandarin, the names are in uh, Bangladeshi. I think. Oh yeah, languages. Bengali that they speak. Yeah, sorry, Bengali. Yeah, yeah. Bengali. I don't know what I was saying there. No, I mean, I, there are so many languages in the area that, like, I feel like I learn about a new one every day. Good. Um, sorry. Yeah, Bengali. Excuse me. I shouldn't. I I know that. I just got probably a bit nervous. But yeah, Bengali. Um, what was I saying? Um, they have the on the street signs. They have Bengali. Yeah. So in uh, Bangladesh, I think the prime minister is like celebrated the achievements of the local population so they're like held up in um in bangladesh for establishing themselves and standing up for their rights and yeah it's amazing it's like when you see there are like some like young youtubers not youtubers tiktokers who are quite big and they're like they'll protest for protecting brick lane and like share the history of the area and it's like amazing these are people who are sort of like you know, that influences, they're like doing 50 other things at the same time, but like integral to the work they do is like protecting these spaces and their stories. Yeah, because even this uh, the kind of graffiti and street art that's happening there is just like a, um, how can I say, I think at some point it will be a national treasure. It's so beautified in its, it's got, carries a certain aura so that within the, the show, I really explored the light of um Whitechapel because it has a particular type of glow in the evening that's really it's kind of warm but also feels a little bit Victorian at times it's really just an interesting um thing that happens um yeah and just kind of exploring things being somewhere and really want just exploring them and seeing where they they take us or take the viewer yeah yeah I mean, I can't wait. I haven't seen the exhibition yet because I've been home and I like literally cannot wait to see it. I've already said to a friend, we're going. And yeah. then I have to take my friend who grew up in Whitechapel as well. Like, Good. Yeah. Take, um, I'd say, two hours for the whole thing. Yeah. So Zainab Sadira is amazing. Oh, I love, love, love her work. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and just spend some time. Like she's the last piece is a film kind of documentary about I can't even say it's a document it's just this really interesting film work um this has got a bit of everything um bit of performance in there some factual history then um 
you know, much more of a dialogue around um, the structure of the work and how it was made, some mise-en-scene, um, behind the scenes, but behind the scenes of the scenes were actually become part of the performance. Really interesting the way she's worked. She's a really good, really nice character as well, really warm and just has that that spirit, the yeah. spirit of um, affecting change, you know? And that's very prevalent in Whitechapel as a, as a community, as a place. They're still still protesting even today about certain things. Uh, the last thing I saw, they were protesting about uh, Uber Eats um, delivery guys and not being treated well, um, handing out flyers, organizing a meeting. It's still going on. It's like it's it's indicative to the area. It's part of the area that kind of. Uh, uh, standing up for oneself, having voices, giving people voices, and um, community is community, you know. Community is community. So yeah, it's um, quite a powerful area, and it's been a yeah very influential as an area. As you can see, it's just spilled out into all of my work, uh, but also relates much wider to a maybe living because at one point it was going to be oh, it's a bit more like a because I didn't want to just say like Whitechapel then it was like it feels more like a London type of ideology but then it's much more of a national ideology then it becomes a more international ideology so where we do this regionalism I'm trying to like say we're, everything's connected we're all like experiences similar things no matter where we are in the world rather than like oh you're from ne- north he's from east He's from South, but I'm from Northwest. It shouldn't mean anything. What it should mean is actually we have some things to share that maybe we don't know about each other. Um, instead of rivalry, it's, you know, just coming together. And I think, um, yeah, being able to kind of do that in Whitechapel, the Bangladeshi community and the, the wider community of being able to really come together and do something for the community. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could yeah. literally listen to you talk for ages. My dog wants a walk. So that was okay. my only excuse. <laughs> so the dog doesn't want to listen. He has, I don't know if you've heard of, he's been wondering about the entire time. Like he's an old boy and he's just been, <laughs> I can hear him like the, the dog equivalent of um, mumbling to himself. About uh, <laughs> what breed is he? He's a Parsons Jack Russell. So he's got like long legs and he's fluffy, but okay. he's also a terrier. Jack Russell type. Has he got that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's Can you a touch him? Boy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Strangers are allowed to touch, like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a big gentle giant with kids and stuff. It's um other dogs. He will steal from them and then act like Rust their them. problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. I mean, I... yeah. Luckily, he doesn't draw blood or anything like that. He's just he'll just growl at them and then they'll be like, "Bro, you've just you've taken my." my stuff and he's like yeah (laughs) yeah we got a puppy now and she's his baby so he can't he's like quite he's mellowed because he can't get annoyed at her but she'll also steal from him oh but also very protective right yeah 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 yeah. he's like sweetheart he's like 16 now wow you know he's doing doing all right yeah um yeah this Sorry, dog, last one. We're talking about dogs, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my friend um, was just kind of telling me about terriers. Like, he really studied the terrier 
the personality, the behavior. Um, you're saying like certain terriers, they've got this real attitude where no one can, only the owner can touch them. They're on their own mission in the world. All of this stuff around like the animal behavior, I just found it really fascinating. Um, yeah. And started to like, so the, the puppy, she's like maybe eight months now and she's um, like a cocker spaniel. And like, it's so fascinating. They seem to come like built in. Like she already knew to respond to her name being called like the day we got her. Wow. And we were like, how do you, how do you learn that? Like as a dog? Yeah, dogs, yeah, they have, yeah, particular qualities that amaze us. They yeah. Really Especially when you're talking about sort of breeding, breeding in, breeding out, um, how they kind of shift the behavior pattern of an animal by breeding in something that's got a better temperament to make it less or just domesticate it more or actually breed them so they will kill horses and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's just an interesting phenomena. And if yeah. we think about that, in, we we're talking about categorization, taxon- taxonomical thinking. If we think of that in relation to like human personality, yeah 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 I mean it's such an exciting time to be alive like and I love the idea of like people listening to this and like what are they going to do with their day after yeah dog walk go and see some (laughs) art yeah make a stand fly up to Whitechapel have a I don't know maybe a lamb chop in space there's all sorts of things listen to some music yeah yeah and that's just in one day one person doing all that simultaneously that's a yeah beautiful experience yeah well thank you so much i've loved you this has been yeah a a really great chat this is the first time we've actually had an artist on the podcast okay curators we've had i don't know if you know alia alsanusi she's like a patron of the arts um Uh, probably she does stuff with like art basel and places like that she was amazing as well um, but yeah, we've never, I've never actually gotten to speak. To, I've only emailed interviewed artists for the site. Oh, wow. So and that's it. Yeah, you are. Nice. Seminal, seminal. Yeah, like seminal, exactly. Amazing. But yeah, thank you. It's, um, it's a great conversation, good questions, and just a yeah, in, really interesting dialogue. Um, and I felt, I like feeling free of thinking. So it's just like you throw stuff into the conversation, we think on our toes. Yeah, yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's better to throw out the questions, you know what I mean? And then, because you, you just don't know what someone's actually going to think. Like, I can look at your paintings and be like, oh, you'll be thinking about X, Y, and Z. And then actually talking to you, you'll be like, right, this is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. And then yeah. you'll just be like, yeah, amazing. Um, well, yeah, when you're in London town, let me know. I'll try and meet you at the show if possible, maybe. I would love um, that, yeah. 100%. Do some sort of tour or guide or continue the conversation. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got um, just sharing stuff on TikTok is so fun. So I can't wait to like get some pictures and stuff of the work itself. Like I put up something yesterday and it's amazing the way that like it came out wrong, like the, the way they, the images came out wrong and I was like there's still going to be like at least a few thousand people who are going to look at that like it you know engage yeah. with it, even though it's come out just because they're seeing like a snippet of your work so yeah it's like very cool nice well yeah it was good to talk and thank you for being interested in what I'm trying to do 
what I'm yeah, trying I think to. you're succeeding. I think, yeah, 100%. And also, like, talking to, like, the folks at the gallery as well, they're so passionate about the work you do. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an amazing process, actually. We worked really well together. It helped me explore. It really helped me explore my ideas and supported what I've been doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to Whitechapel Gallery, Jelaine and Cameron and the build team, Ewan, Owen, uh Sondliway, thank you and Aphrodite for helping with the mural um we had a really fun time actually Aphrodite is a sick name yeah yeah wow. yeah amazing well enjoy the rest of your day I hope it yeah. involves a trip to space and some lamb chops yeah I, I don't eat lamb yeah nor do I so we'll never know <laughs> yeah we'll send someone who does but yeah, I'm gonna actually go and see that image because I didn't I didn't see it when I was there. So I'm gonna yeah. have a look at it. Yeah, it's it's very cool. It's right by um they have a big glass bit where people like queue next to it. And if you turn around and look up, you can see their little framed photo. Cool. Yeah, I'll probably see it this week because I'm gonna pop into the gallery. Amazing. Right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna well, let you um yeah, take walk, the dog for uh, a walk. Enjoy doggy. Yeah, you will. <laughs> and um, yeah, take it easy. Yeah, you too. Who's the painting in the background by? I, it says it's by Robert King. Uh, we used to, when I was really small, my parents lived on the Isle of Wight. So I think it's, he's probably a local artist. Okay. I really like it. Yeah. Nice check one. him out. Robert King. Yeah, it's called Cow's Week at Leap by Robert King. Okay. And I, my mum will enjoy that. She'll oh. be like, Glad she did a bit of like art history and stuff, so she'll she'll die. Okay. (laughs) Amazing. Talk to you later. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for listening. As always, tomorrow's episode is our literary one. I thought I'd change the structure this week. And it's Toby Lloyd. I can't I just can't wait for you guys to read this book further. And I can't wait for you to hear the episode. I've been just been listening back and I just, I loved it. Uh, a lot like this one, I just learned so much. So I will see you then.